Well, my name's uh, Mike Silliman. I'm the Care and Connections Pastor here at Grace, and uh, I have the opportunity today to continue us on in our series called Filter. Uh, we're taking a look at uh, social media. You know, social media is, is really a pretty big deal uh, to, to all of us. Um, we, we spend a lot of time on social media, and it's just really important that uh, as the body of Christ, as, as people that know Jesus, that we live out Psalm 19.14 that says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. And, and, uh, and so that's what we've been looking at. How can we leverage social media in a way that would honor God? And uh, uh, this is our week, uh, week number four in the series. And so if you've, if you've not been able to track through or you missed one or two or, or this is your first time here this morning, I encourage you to go on our website and, and get caught up, listen to the podcast, and... Uh, and, uh, and really learn what God's Word says about how we uh, should communicate, uh, both online and, and offline. Last week, Pastor John uh, began unpacking uh, the why question. You know, we know social media is such a, a big deal, and, and uh, all of us, many of us, not all of us, but many of us use social media, and, and it begs the question, why? You know, what is it about social media that's so attractive to us? Why do we spend a lot of time on it? What is there uh, that, uh, that w- w- would cause us to want to be on social media? And so today we're going to continue uh, answering that why, why question. And, and so uh, I'm just curious by a show of hands and both here, the main and the link, how many of you uh, would raise your hand and say you are on Facebook? Okay, raise your hand. You have an account on Facebook. Look around. Look around. All right. And uh, how many of you um, are on Twitter? Tweet, tweet. Raise your hand if you're on Twitter. All right. Fewer of you. Okay, how about Instagram? How many Instagrammers? All right. A lot more of you. Uh, how about Snapchat? Snapchat? Wow, that's, uh, that's impressive. I'm not on Snapchat. I have an account. I've don't think I've ever used it, nor do I know how to use it. Okay, here's one. How about Google Plus? Anybody on Google Plus? There's like two of you. You must work for Google. Uh, they're the only ones that use Google Plus. Uh, okay, here's one. How about MySpace? Anybody on MySpace still? Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. Give them a hand that they hung in there. <clears throat> they hung in there all this time. That's, uh, that's incredible. I didn't think there was anybody left on on MySpace. Uh, but, but it is uh, really incredible when you begin looking at the statistics of online and internet usage. And uh, I want you to take a look at a graphic here uh, that kind of shows some global statistics. Take a look at this. The world population is about 7.5 billion people. 7.5 billion people in the world. Um, Out of those 7.5, there is about 3.8 billion people that are internet users. Now, this is uh, out of a population that includes babies all the way up to, you know, adults. And and so think of that. That's a pretty big chunk of people. 50% uh, of people uh, use the internet in our, in our world. Um, active social media users is about 2.8 billion people in the world. 37% of our world's population uses some form of social media. And that's pretty incredible when you think that social media has only been around for about 14 years. 
And so when you think of that, uh, that's, that's quite amazing. Um, mobile subscription, I have no idea how this number uh, ended up being what it was, but take a look at that. In our, in our world, there's 8.1 billion people. There's only 7.5 billion people. Okay, but there's 8.1 billion mobile subscriptions. Okay, so a bunch of you must be carrying, you know, a couple phones in your pocket. I don't know, uh, but that's uh, 108%. And then uh, people that use social media on their phones uh, globally is 34% of the people, 2.5 billion people. Now, take a look at the statistics for the United States. Let's bring it home, home a little closer here to the United States. U.S. population, about 325 million uh, people living here in the United States, internet users, 88%, okay, about 287 million people use the internet, uh, and uh, social media users is 66%, two, 214 million people are active on social media. Mobile subscriptions, again, 349 million people, uh, or mo- um, 349 million subscriptions, and then mobile social users, about 58 It's incredible. Uh, Facebook launched uh, just 13 years ago, February 4th, 2004. Um, And it's incredible to think that if Facebook were a country, it would be the largest country in our world. That's how many people use Facebook, um, just Facebook alone. And so why? That's my question. Like, what is it? Why are we so compelled to, uh, to participate in an online experience in social media? What is it about that, and uh, why are we so attracted to it? Uh, if you have your Bibles with you uh, this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of verses that Pastor John took us to last week, but we're going to review those. And then we're going to look at a couple other ones in Genesis chapter 2. If you need a Bible this morning, go ahead and raise your hand really high. Uh, we have some ushers that would love to put one in your hand. Uh, we love to interact with God's Word. Uh, and so uh, raise your hand, re- uh, grab a Bible, and if you need to take that home with you, feel free to do that if you don't have one. Uh, It's our gift. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to read together verses 26 and 27. Uh, And so if you found that in your Bibles, go ahead and stand to your feet, and uh, we will uh, read that out loud together. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, then stay standing. We'll read a couple verses together in Genesis chapter 2. Okay, ready, read. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And then just flip the page, and uh, let's uh, let's read verses 15 through 18 of chapter 2. 15 through 18. Ready? Read. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, 
it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Let's read verse 18 out loud again together. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. You may have a seat. Thanks so much. Bottom line is, you and I know we were made for relationship. Uh, The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, means that God himself is in community. More accurately, God is community. We know that God is love, but God is also community. One God existing in three persons, and before all worlds, before any sort of human community, before any countries, uh, before any people groups existed, there was God dwelling in perfect loving harmony in his threefold being as a community. And in the biblical account of creation, this, this triune God says, let us make man in our image. You and I are made to reflect God's likeness. And so uh, because we're created in God's image and because God is community, uh, guess what we carry with us? We carry this desire, this longing for community, just as God himself does. Uh, it, we, we reflect God's image. And everything in Genesis chapter 1, everything in Genesis chapter 2 is said to be good. After God creates something different, um, he says it is what? It is good. And it's not until Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 where he said it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. So God says that without a companion... Uh, without relationship, without community, um, it, it's, it's not going to be a good thing. It's not going to be good. And, and there's more to this truth than Adam just simply needing a wife. It goes much deeper than that. And what God was saying is it, it's not good about man being alone because I've given him this ability and this, this purpose uh, to carry out the commands that I've given him to rule over, to subdue the earth. And, uh, and God supplied this need uh, for Adam by creating for him a helper, a suitable helper in the form of Eve with whom he could do the work that God desired for him to do uh, together. With, 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 with another person in relationship. And, and, uh, and then, of course, multiplying into a family and then a community of image-bearing servants. And so this longing for belonging is wired deep within us. And we can see this longing show up in all kinds of places. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, he is uh, the CEO and co-founder of Facebook, uh, he recently did a talk, and um, he actually tapped into this whole idea that we as, as human beings uh, have a desire to be in community, to be connected together. And uh, through the course of his talk, he, he decided he was going to lay out a new plan, a uh, new emphasis for Facebook, kind of focusing on this whole idea. Uh, that, that we were created with a longing to belong. Take a look at a, a piece of this clip here from Mark Zuckerberg. So studies have actually proven uh, that the more connected we are, the happier we are, and the healthier we are too. You know, people who go to church 
are more likely to volunteer and to give to charity, not just because they're religious, but also because they're a part of a community. And so that's why it is so striking that over the past few decades, membership in all kinds of communities around the world has been declining, and in a lot of places by as much as one quarter. Right? So that's a lot of people who now need to find a sense of purpose and support uh, somewhere else. So this is our challenge. We have to build a world where every single person has a sense of purpose and community. That's how we're going to bring the world closer together. We need to build a world where we care just as much about anyone, a person in India or in China or in Mexico or Nigeria, as we care about a person right here in Chicago. That's how we're going to achieve our greatest opportunities and build the world that we all want for generations to come. I know we can do this. Well, Mark is right in saying that we are more happy and we are more healthy the more connected we are. There's no new information here. We know that from God's word that we're created for relationship, that, that we're hardwired with, uh, with this longing to belong. But Zuckerberg, uh, he has this idea to build this world um, online where every single person has a sense of purpose and community. Um, but he goes on in the talk, if you listen to his talk, uh, to say that he's tapped into artificial intelligence to help him achieve this. That he's using artificial intelligence uh, to achieve community. Now that should tell us something uh, when we're using something artificial to create a genuine sense of, of, of community. And, and here's, here's what I, I want to tell you this morning. Artificial intelligence will, will never be able to fulfill a genuine longing in our hearts that was placed there by God, our intelligent designer. And artificial intelligence is never going to uh, give us uh, what we are longing for. Now, there's a lot of good things that social media uh, can do for us. We looked at those a couple of weeks ago. There's some real upsides to social media. It can be a great place to enhance um, our offline connections and our offline relationships, but it will never be able to fulfill this genuine longing in our hearts. Um, and here's my fear, uh, because I've seen this in my own life, and so I know that it's probably true for you as well. Uh, because it's so easy to get on Facebook and, and to get on social media and to, to, to pull it up and to be able to comment and like and, and post and, and share and, and see pictures and, and get slices of people's lives, it's really easy for us for me, for you, to be deceived into thinking that we have genuine friendships and genuine relationships because we know a bunch of information uh, about people that we are friends with in our social online circles. Or uh, we can sometimes, unfortunately, uh, find ourselves feeling like we've done all we need to do because we've commented, praying for you, on someone's post. And we kind of say, I, I feel good about that. I help them. I've done all I need to do. Or if we change our profile picture uh, to reflect some social cause that we feel strongly about or to share a post or sign some sort of online, uh, you know, on, online uh, 
something or other that says that we stand for this and we are backing this up, uh, that it, we sign this online petition that somehow we've done enough. There's actually a word that they created. It's in the dictionary. You can look it up uh, to kind of define uh, this thinking uh, that we've done enough. It's called slacktivism. Slacktivism. And, and slacktivism, it requires this minimum level of effort on my part, but it makes me feel really good, like I've done something about it. And, and I, my fear is, and, and I think I've seen this even in my own life uh, as I'm processing through this and praying through this, is that we can sometimes take the same approach in our relationships and in our friendships. See, relationships take work, they take a lot of work, and, and they're messy. In case you haven't noticed, they're messy. And it can't be fit into some neat algorithm that some artificial intelligence is kind of, you know, designing and putting together for us. Life just doesn't work that way. Relationships uh, just don't work that way. Relationships, if they're worth anything, they take time, a lot of time, to foster, right? And they're, and they're messy. And uh, we have the capacity of being hurt, uh, that's just life. That's relationships. But man, are they good when we tap into them. See, too many of us want million-dollar friendships with nickel investments. Too many of us want, want million-dollar relationships and friendships, but we don't want to put the time, we don't want to put the effort in to developing and fostering and nurturing a relationship. And I want to explain why. I want to, want to walk today through five stages of relationships. Uh, five stages of relationships. You can find yourself in any relationship that you have right now, currently, any friendship that you have, you're going to be able to say, okay, that, I'm at this stage with this person. I'm at this stage with this person. I encourage you to do that. As, you're, as we're unpacking these stages today, I want you to actually do that. I want you to think of your relationships place them in a stage, and use that to encourage you to deepen uh, your, your relationship. Stage number one, stage number one, superficiality, okay? Stage number one, superficiality. It's where all relationships start out. Uh, it's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. It's, it's where all relationships are. It's at a shallow level. We meet someone. We say hi. They say hi back. Uh, maybe it's some small talk. Where do you work? How's your day? Um, you know, that kind of thing. It's on a very superficial uh, level. And a lot of our day-to-day -day interactions uh, take place right here. People that we run into at the grocery store, people that fix our car, cut our hair, service our food. It's a very superficial kind of relationship that we have. And every relationship starts out right here on a superficial level. And we don't need to really go any more um, uh, talking about superficiality, but that's stage number one. Stage number two, stage number two, information gathering. Information gathering, okay? Th this is the stage of the relationship. After the small talk, after the superficiality happens, um, you may want to know more about an individual. You may want to know a little uh, more about their life and who they are. And so you gather information, and we do that by asking questions. If you're face-to-face -face with somebody, tell me about your kids. How many kids do you have? What ages are they? What grades are they in? Where do you guys go to school? Uh, who do you 
root for, you know, and we gather information um, in our lives and uh, with people. Um, sometimes we do this on social media, um, and we call this stalking, right? You all do it. You all do it, right? Uh, and, and you're gathering information. That's what you're doing. And you're, and you're looking at their family pictures. And, and of course, you remember, we've, we talked about this. You're only seeing their highlight reel, so understand that. But, you know, you're, you're gathering information about people. And this can be really, really helpful um, in our relationships with people. Uh, how many times have you seen something on social media um, a picture or an event that, take, that took place, a milestone in a friend's life, and then when you see them face-to-face, it enhances your conversation. Like, for example, uh, this past week, I celebrated my wife and I 26 years of marriage. It was, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And, and, uh, and, uh, and so we posted a picture. That's what you do, right? You're supposed to do that on your anniversary and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and, and this morning when I came in here, I had probably a dozen or more people ask me about that and tell me, hey, congratulations. What'd you guys do? And, right? and, and it's, a, it's a natural way to enhance conversation. And it can be a wonderful, uh, a wonderful thing to stage information gathering. And, uh, and this stage right now is where a lot of relationships are at. Matter of fact, for some of you, uh, this is the, uh, the stage where your relationships stop. And I want to encourage you uh, to not allow that be the case after, after today. I'm going to encourage you to continue to deepen your friendships. But uh, for a lot of you, this is where the bulk of our friendships and our relationships lie. You know, they're acquaintances. Like we know a person, we run into them, we have some information, we have some familiarity with them and uh, enough to, you know, have good conversation. We care about them, you know, all of those sorts of things. So that's stage number two, information gathering. Uh, then stage number three, we, tra- we, we, we move to, and th- this, this stage right here is, is, um, is the one that we're going to camp out a lot on. And this is the one, this is the stage that most of us, including me, struggle with. And we have some, some really deep struggles in this next stage because it's risky. This next stage is, is really risky. And some of you here today, you've been in this stage with a person, with someone, with a group of friends, with some people, and um, you took a risk to go deeper with them, and it didn't turn out so well. And so you vowed to never go back to this stage again. And that's where some of you are at. And, you know, through the, through the power of Jesus and through the power of the gospel and his grace, the good news is, is we can work through those hurts. And, and we, can, we can find ourselves at this stage again. And it's the stage of vulnerability. Stage of vulnerability. And, and vulnerability is a military term, uh, term and mean, meaning able to be wounded and hurt. Able to be wounded and hurt. Uh, See, when a city's walls were strong and fortified, there's no fear of the enemy infiltrating and breaking through and getting through. But when any part of the wall becomes vulnerable, the city's residents are are likely going to suffer some harm. There's a great risk that when a city's walls are vulnerable that there's there's going to be the potential uh, for harm. But here's what I want you to know, and I'd, I'd write this down, I'd circle it, I'd highlight it, I'd put it on your refrigerator. Uh, vulnerability is the birthplace of belonging. Mm. 
Vulnerability is the birthplace of belonging. See, vulnerability is, is the willingness to open yourself up to another person. But here, but, but listen, it's not just sharing facts. It's not even just sharing really personal facts about yourself. See, there's a real big difference between being vulnerable and being transparent. There's a big difference between being vulnerable and being transparent. And we're going to talk about those differences in, in just a minute. But, but being vulnerable is, is having the ability and wanting the ability and desiring uh, to, to sit down with another person eyeball to eyeball offline these types of conversations uh, don't work real well in an online thumbs-to-thumbs kind of setting where we open up and, this is really important, and this is the key, and this is the real risky part, and we invite people to have an impact on our heart. That's what vulnerability is. I I define biblical vulnerability this way. Uh, Biblical vulnerability is sharing the depths of your most horrific sin the heights of your most laughable dreams with a trusted friend and inviting them to respond with grace and truth. Now, that's a mouthful, but it's all of, every word uh, means something. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Biblical vulnerability. So in other words, we really feel, we feel like, like vulnerable is, is a God thing. This is, this is something that God invites us to do and, and uh, he, he desires for us to do and we, we long to be vulnerable. And, and it's sharing the depths of your most horrific sin Okay, recognizing that as a follower of Christ, you know, we've been forgiven. Now, we don't have to stay in bondage to our sin, but we live in a sinful, fallen world, and, and there's times we mess up. There's times we find ourselves in, in, in sin, not aligning to what God uh, wants that's best for us. And then we also not only share that, but we share our, our most laughable dreams, and you know what I'm talking about. You know, these are the dreams you don't want to tell anybody because they're laughable, right? And, and, and you're like, you know, people, you're worried that people are going to think you're crazy if you share that dream. That's how outlandish, outlandish they are. But this is what biblical vulnerability is. It's sharing both the depths of our sin and the heights of our dreams with somebody that we trust, somebody that we have a track record, uh, somebody who has proven themselves trustworthy, Someone who you have a kindred, you know, spirit to, you have some connection with. Someone that you, you, you decide, you know, okay, I'm going to let my guard down and I'm going to take a big risk here and I'm going to be vulnerable. And then we invite them to respond in grace and truth. Jesus was a master at this whole uh, balance of grace and truth. You know, grace is the understanding that we are broken and we're in need of Jesus. And truth is the reality that we want to line our lives up with the Word of God and we want to keep in step with the Holy Spirit and keep in step with what what God wants for our lives. And so we're inviting friends to remind us of who we are in Jesus and applying grace to us, but we're also inviting them to speak truth to us. And sometimes it's not what we want to hear. Uh, sometimes we, we want them to just kind of go along with us and give us all the grace. Give me grace, give me grace, give me grace. But I don't want any truth. 
okay? And, 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 and a trusted friend and being biblically vulnerable with someone is, is both uh, receiving and inviting grace and truth into our lives. Now, here's what, here's, um, what we often mistake as, as being vulnerable is transparency, and God really showed me in my own life this week that, Mike, there's some areas of your life where you're not really being vulnerable. You're being transparent, but, but you're holding back, and you're not inviting people into the process on the front end. See, transparency is, is you know, the ability to see through to something, right? And, and it's, it's uh, when we're being transparent with somebody, we're opening ourselves up, but we're doing it in a controlled way. We're only showing them what we want them to see. And sometimes that's a very polished uh, picture of ourselves, a very heavily processed picture of myself and, and yourself. And, and transparency also uh, does not invite people in on the process. And so it shares, um, you know, a little bit of who you are uh, in a very controlled way, but it doesn't say, okay, now your turn. Look at me with love. Look at me and speak to me. Give me grace. Give me truth. I need that right now. That's vulnerability. Transparency oftentimes, and here's what God revealed to me in, a lot of, in some of my relationships with some trusted friends that I have to now go back to and say, okay, listen, I haven't been completely vulnerable with you. Here, here's what this looks like. Uh, we, we struggle, um, and it could be we, we, we are wrestling with a dream, remember? It could be a crazy, laughable dream, or it could be, um, you know, some habit of sin in our lives, either, either one and anything in between. But here's how often I process this, and I'm guessing that you do the same. Oftentimes what we say is we go to the Lord with that, we go to God with that, and we say, okay, I'm going to deal with God in a vertical way uh, with, with this issue that I'm dealing with. Um, and then after we've worked through that with God, then we kind of bring our friends into the loop of what we went through. Okay, are you tracking with me? Nod your head if you are. Okay, so, but, but, but vulnerability is very different. It's not saying I went through this. It's saying I am going through this right now. And I want you to walk with me through this. And I want you to speak into my life as I'm going through this. And let me just tell you something. Um, that's hard to do. That's really, really risky to do. But this is where God desires us, and I believe even has designed us to operate in. We find the most fulfillment when, when, we, are, when we are vulnerable. And so when we are vulnerable, with someone, one of two outcomes are going to take place, okay? Uh, the first outcome isn't, isn't so good. It's, it's rejection, okay? Now, anybody in here at all in either the main or the link, anybody like to be rejected? Raise your hand if you are. Not, not a hand going up at all. Uh, nobody likes being rejected. I don't like being rejected. You don't like being rejected. It's a hard thing to do. When you take a risk and you put yourself out there in a very vulnerable way, 
and you're met with maybe uh, being laughed at, being criticized, being ignored, or uh, maybe you're going uh, sitting down with a friend to really share some deep, heavy stuff, and they're not feeling the weight of that. They're kind of just like, oh, yeah, okay, what's for lunch kind of thing. Um, that, that, that comes across as rejection to us. And nobody likes rejection. And so what we do is we build walls to protect ourselves. It's natural. It's who we are as people. Who wants to get hurt? Who wants to allow ourselves to get hurt again? And so we build walls. And, and if we never deal with that rejection in a biblical way, in a healthy way, and, and offer forgiveness and kind of work through that, here's what happens. We, we will never go... Uh, this deep in any relationship ever again. We, we, will, we will keep ourselves from, from growing deep. We will put walls up, and we'll be transparent, but we won't be vulnerable. And there's a, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. And here's, by the way, what will happen. We'll keep all of our friendships and all of our relationships at a very superficial level uh, or that number two stage, information gathering, sharing. And it'll be very surface. And you will never experience what God has intended our life to look like by sharing uh, at a ha- real heart level with another person. See, yes, it's important that we go to God and we, and we do this, this, this vertical relationship with, with God. But, it, but uh, he also has wired us and created us and intends for us and longs for us to have our horizontal relationship um, also conducted in a real healthy way. And so acceptance then is the other response. Rejection um, is the one response, but then acceptance is the other response. And then, and, and when we're met, uh, we share something very personal, maybe even something you're embarrassed about, something that, man, you're just mad about uh, yourself. Why do I continue to struggle in these patterns of sin? And, and it takes a lot of courage for you to even uh, be vulnerable and share that with a trusted person. But then when you're met with acceptance, um, wow. You know, somebody that's attentively listening, somebody that is asking sincere questions and they have uh, sincere concern, good eye contact, shared emotion. Um, We feel the safety to share more of ourselves and our relationship is brought closer together. And so my question this morning is, where are you at in your relationships? Do you have any vulnerable relationships? You're being honest with yourself this morning. Do any names pop into your head as we talk about this stage of friendship, this stage of relationship um, when, when you're being vulnerable? Or are you, do you recognize, like, like God showed me very clearly this week, that, Mike, you haven't been vulnerable and I have to dig in. Like, I have to now dig in. Like, why? Like, what, what is that about myself? Where, where are those uh, fears coming from? Where are those past rejections that maybe I never dealt with in a, in a very biblical uh, way? And, uh, and, and, I, and so um, I praise God for uh, just the ability that he's wired us and given us to, to let our guard down and, and to be vulnerable with another human being. And so once we are vulnerable, once we kind of, you know, take the gulp and we go after it and we allow and take the walls down and we allow our 
put our guards down and we share, and it's met with acceptance, um, we move on to the fourth stage. And the fourth stage is mutual vulnerability and accountability. So it starts out where maybe you are the one that initiates the vulnerability and you share um, the deepest, you know, parts of your heart with somebody. It's met with acceptance. That person now has the courage and feels the safety to reciprocate that in a mutual way. And, and this is a really healthy place to be in a friendship. And all of us need at least one of these friends in our lives. All of us should be striving for that. And if we don't have that, we really should be praying and asking God, God, would you please uh, give me wisdom to go after the person uh, that I can be vulnerable with and, and that they can be vulnerable with, with me, this mutual vulnerability. Uh, the Apostle Paul, you don't need to turn there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 through 13, uh, he was recognizing that his relationship with the Corinthian church was kind of one-sided. And uh, he kind of asked them, he asked the church to open up their heart to him and to be vulnerable. I, I love what he says. He says this, he says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you, Corinthians, are, are holding, withholding our affection uh, from us. And as a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. And so Paul asked the Corinthians to make this a, a mutual vulnerability relationship. And, and so some of you here today, um, you don't have a mutual vulnerability relationship. It's just been kind of a one-way transaction, uh, but you long for that. Well, a couple things I would, I would tell you this morning you can do like Paul did. I would encourage you to sit down with your friend and, and uh, recognize that there may be a really good reason why uh, they haven't been vulnerable. Maybe there's some past hurts, some past rejection uh, that has been keeping them from, from being transparent, or I'm sorry, vulnerable with you. And you could just say, you know, I feel like you've been transparent with me, but you haven't been vulnerable. And, you know, I need this, and you need this, and we need this together as followers of Christ. Would you, would you let your guard down uh, with me? Would you trust me enough uh, that would you allow me to speak grace and truth into your life like, like you have spoken into my life? And you could ask for that. Now, uh, you may ask for that, and uh, there may be some real hurt, and they may not be willing to do that. Maybe they don't see the relationship as you see it. That could be another possibility. And it may require for you uh, to redefine the relationship. Uh, and I'm not saying, you know, you unfriend them on Facebook and you don't ever talk to them again. Uh, no, you don't. You be kind to them and you know, they're still your friend and they still love you and you love them. But you just recognize this, is, this relationship is not going to be this stage number four relationship. And so then you begin looking and praying uh, for that person or people or small group of people that you can experience that stage four mutual vulnerability and accountability relationship with. See, here's what I know. We grow when we place ourselves in mutual vulnerability and accountability. Uh, James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. And so something very powerful takes place when we confess our sins. 
uh, with one another, and we encourage one another. We find healing in that. And so, um, Stage number four, mutual vulnerability and accountability. Now, stage five is where we want to land. This is where we want to end. This is where we want to find ourselves at. And that is this, to be known and understood. To be known and understood. See, we long to be known and to be understood. And the reason is because God longs to be known and understood. I love Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Jeremiah 9, 23, 24 says this. It says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me. Like, that's, that's God's biggest desire for us, is that we would know him. And so, since we are created in the image of God, it stands to reason that if God wants to be known, guess what you and I want? We want to be known, and we want to be understood. And uh, here's, here's the reality in, in all of this. Uh, this takes a lot of work and a lot of devotion, uh, this doesn't come uh, naturally, and it's not going to come by just gathering a bunch of facts about people on, on Facebook and keeping our conversations at a, at a surface level. It doesn't take place that way. It happens by really uh, digging deep into the messy lives of people and allowing people to dig into your messy life. And your life's probably messy, your life is probably messy because we're people. And uh, un un until we experience uh, heaven, uh, you know, we live in a fallen world and uh, we struggle uh, every single day in our lives and in our relationships. And, uh, and so God longs and desires for us to be intentional uh, and um, and to be devoted in our, in our relationships. Uh, you know, in the New Testament, there's different kinds of love, and we don't have uh, the time today to unpack the definitions of the different kinds of love. But, but Jesus uh, tells us to love one another, but the love that he asks us to love one another with is, is a God-like love. It's a love that comes from God and his essence and his being because God is love, and it's, it's agape love. And the definition of agape love is a commitment of devotion that is directed by the will and can be commanded as a duty. It's a commitment of devotion that is directed by the will and can be commanded as a duty. In other words, Jesus knew that sometimes we're not going to feel like loving God and we're not going to feel like loving people and so sometimes he says, you know, when he tells us to love one another with this kind of love, uh, he's telling us that sometimes you're going to have to choose in your will to be able to, to do that. And the good news is, is that this love comes from God. It's not in you naturally. Uh, Romans 5.5 5 says that it's poured into us by the Holy Spirit. And so this, this ability, this capacity to be able to love in the way that God wants us to love one another is given to us 
by God himself through the Holy Spirit. And it's also the reason why the world can't love like this. Those that are apart from Jesus can't love like this. Um, But when they see us love like this, they're attracted to it. Uh, Scripture says, you know, they will know we are believers by our love for one another. And so in our relationships, as, as we live, you know, mutually vulnerable relationships with one another in accountability, and we're letting our guards down, and we're recognizing that, you know, I'm messed up. And my friend probably doesn't expect me to be perfect. Matter of fact, they probably expect that I'm going to have some mess in my life. So I might as well already be honest and, and share that in a vulnerable way because they probably already know it anyway. And I'm going to let my guard down and I'm going to be vulnerable. And I'm going to, not, not after I get out of, uh, of the struggle, but before and while I'm in the struggle. And I'm going to invite that type of relationship in me and in you. That's how we were wired And that's how God longs for us to handle our relationships. How are you doing with that? How are you doing in in your relationships? I want to close by just kind of asking a couple questions that I want you to think through. Uh, Maybe write these down and really pray through these questions. Uh, First question is this. What, What can you do practically in your home and in your life to be intentional about offline relationships? What are your online limits to protect your offline relationships? You know, are there tech-free zones in your home or in your personal life or in your calendar and in your schedule that you can say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I've been spending too much time online. I want to protect my offline relationships, so I'm going to put some boundaries here in place. What are those? What, what are those boundaries uh, for you that you can use that time and that bandwidth to intentionally foster Um, relationships, eyeball to eyeball with people. Who are the friends that come to mind right now that you need to set up a coffee date with or a lunch date with or a dinner date with and you need to sit down with them and you need to say, you know what, I long uh, to to have connection in a deeper way, uh, in an offline way. As you think about your current relationships, Uh, Do you have any stage number five friendships currently uh, where you're known and you're understood on a deep level? What do you need to do to to develop that? Um, Here's another one. Have you realized, like, like I have, that you often choose transparency over vulnerability because you have a fear of rejection? Has God pointed that out to you? And will you allow him to, to really do some healing in your life? And I'll tell you how that healing is going to take place. It's going to take place by you picking up the phone today or talking to somebody and saying, you know what, I need to sit down and I need to talk to you. And maybe your first act of being vulnerable is saying, I struggle being vulnerable. How would that go? You know, maybe, maybe that's the first conversation that you need to have. And then finally, can you name one to three people of the same sex that, that you run to when you feel out of control, inadequate, uh, fallen into a pattern of sin, feel out of balance with, or even have a breakthrough uh, or a dream that you want to share with. Who are those people? God longs for us to be in, in community. Uh, let's go after that. Let's, let's take that uh, seriously uh, this week as we allow God to continue to move and work in our lives. Lord, 
Thank you for creating us with this longing to belong. Lord, I I pray um, that each of us in our relationships uh, would um, would be able to, to have these level five relationships where we're, we're known and understood, God, because you uh, long to be known and understood. And so we do too, being created in your image. And God, if there's any fear standing in the way, any past hurts uh, that we're struggling with, God, would you, would you heal us uh, so that we can experience what you've intended us to experience? The joy of connection another human being. God, thanks for friends. Thanks for relationship. Thanks that you are a God of relationship, that you even sent your son Jesus in the flesh uh, to relate to us in a very personal way. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next week.